0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnyTime.com. Good in Sanhedrin asks one of the most famous questions: Maduach Deruch Hashayim Tzalecha. Why is it that wicked people sometimes find success in this world, sometimes extraordinary success? But the Gemara is discussing a very particular Russia, and the Netzer. Why is it, the Gemara asks, that Nebuchadnezzar, of all the kings, alive, and was the one who was able to conquer Israel, was the one who was able to destroy the base of Mikdash, what did he do that gave him that right? So Gemara explains to us actually an event that happened many years earlier. Chizkiyahu, Melch was ill, and he was slated to die. And because he did tshuva, a miraculous recovery, occurred to him, and he was well. And when the king of Bavel Merudach heard about this, he was astonished, because Chizkiyahu was on his deathbed. And the miracle of his recovery was so astounding that Merudach decided to send a letter to Chizkiyahu, congratulating him, wishing him well. It happened to be been that the scribe of Merudach was Nebuchadnezzar, but he was not there at the day. And for whatever reason, Nebuchadnezzar wasn't there, Merudach wrote the letter himself, and this is what he wrote. Shama Lamaka Chizkiah, peace be unto you, King Chizkiah, and peace to the city of Yishalayim, peace to your great God. And he sent, wrote this letter, gave it to a messenger, sent it out. The next day, Nebuchadnezzar came in, and he asked Merudach whether any letters written. And Merudach said, yes, I wrote one myself. What did you write? And he explained what he wrote. He wrote to Chizkiyahu upon hearing the great miracle. How could I not wish him shalom? What did you write? What was the the actual text? And well, I wrote, peace to the king Chizkiyahu, peace to the city of Yishalayim, peace to your great God. And Nebuchadnezzar said, how did you do that? If you call him the great God, how could you put him last? That's not the way you should have done it. <clears throat> Merudah said, what should I have done? You should have written, Nebuchadnezzar says, Peace to you, great God. Peace to the city of Shalaim. Peace to you, King Cheskid. Rudolph said, "Fine, you're right. In that case, the one who corrected me should be the one who actually rewrite it. Go catch the messenger, rewrite it, and send it the right way." At that point, Nuchanetsa begins running out of the palace to catch the messenger, and after four steps, Hashem sends a malach to stop him, because those four steps that he took in the honor of Hashem. Would what allowed him to actually destroy the base of Mekdush, had he been allowed to run further, it's very difficult to know how far he would have gotten. <clears throat> and says the Gemara, if you see the reward that Hashem will give to a wicked person for standing up to the honor of Hashem, how much more the tzaddikim, how much more honor they're given, how much more reward. And that's how the Gemara explains why it is that of all the kings Nebuchadnezzar was merited destroying Yerushalayim, merited sieging Yerushalayim and actually winning that war. It's because of this time, many years earlier, where he stood up for the honor of Hashem, and because of that he was granted this great success. Okay, now I'd like to ask what I consider the obvious question on this Gemara. What Nebuchadnezzar did was not a big deal. Okay, it's true. He pointed out to Merudach that according to your logic, sir, and you're calling him the great God, so his name should go first. And it's then true that Merudach sent him to go out. And at that point, Nebuchadnezzar ran. But number one, it was not Nebuchadnezzar's tremendous desire to honor God. It was Merudach sent him. He pointed out to Merudach he made a mistake. And he went on the shlichas. He went on the, as a messenger of the king of Bovel. Why does that deserve him to become a king of Bavel? And not just a king, a king who gets to have the most powerful position in that generation, the king who effectively is the ruler of, if not the earth, certainly that area. What is so great about that action? And to understand the answer to this question, I'd like to begin a very, very different focus. And that is on the life that we lead now. If you look at the life that we lead, you may find it very, very confusing. You may find extreme polarities, extreme opposites, and seemingly great confusion. And I'll explain to you what I mean. And we make a string of brachas in the morning, 16 brachas, thanking Hashem for all the glorious things that He's created sights, sound, aromas, beautiful scenery, and beautiful mountains. And yet, it's almost impossible for us to really appreciate it. And I've worked on this for many years, and I focused on it. And there's certain that I say over and over just so I can remember the taste of an orange, just so I can remember what it's like to bite into an apple. And then a week later, I forget it. And not only is it difficult to appreciate the beauty that Hashem created in this world, And there are many, many features in this world that are not beautiful at all. There's poverty, there's crime, there's grime, there's dirt, there's torture, there's bloodshed. There's a lot of rough spots in the world. And while there is great beauty, and while it's true that Hashem invested tremendous wisdom and forethought in creating a magnificent world, can negate that opposite that there's an awful lot of pain, an awful lot of ugliness, an awful lot of things that don't really fit a beautiful picture. And it's not just that. If you study the human condition, there are many, many things that really make little sense. 32 flavors is a wonderful thing to brag if you're Baskin Robbins. But if you say that about the different flavors, nuances, and colors, textures of pain then there's something wrong with that equation. When you smash your elbow, it hurts, but that's a very different hurt than when you smash your shin. A toothache is very different than a stomachache. A headache is very different than an abrasion, which is different than a burn, which is different than a break. And again, there are many, many flavors. You could write poetry about the different types of pain, but why do it? Why create pain? And it's not just that. We understand that Hashem created us for one reason, to grow and accomplish, to change the essence of me, <clears throat> put in this world for a few short years, <clears throat> given a Torah as a directive, as the ultimate spiritual system of perfection, and for eternity we are what we shaped ourselves into. Do you ever notice that it's very, very difficult to do that work? Do you ever notice that I can know something with absolute clarity, and then it's almost like I never, ever realized it? I could say an entire she'er about Hashem's involvement in our world. I could be totally, totally clear on it. And the minute a small dog chases me, oh, what happened to Hashem's presence? To Hashem's there? I could be dominating, speaking to the Creator of the heavens and the earth, and then a moment later, my mind's gone and I'm somewhere else. And it's not just that. If you've ever made a serious attempt to work on a trait, whether it be anger, whether it be jealousy, whether it be arrogance, whether it be laziness, if you've ever made a serious attempt to work on a character trait, I believe you'll find it very, very difficult. And I could speak first person. You see, I happen to love Alcoholics Anonymous. Why? Because those are people who recognize they must deal with their issue. And if they don't deal with their issue, they'll likely be dead. And because of that, they confront this reality that it's extraordinarily difficult to change. And a man can know with absolute veracity, if I take another drink, I may well die, and he might very well take that next drink. And when an alcoholic realizes that change is very, very difficult. That's something that we human beings, we Jews should recognize on a daily basis as well. But you see, I'm not dealing with stopping drinking. I'm dealing with arrogance and a temper. I'm dealing with jealousy and laziness. I'm dealing with generosity or selfishness, changing the full gamut of the human condition, all of the traits. And again, if you focused on changing but one, I guarantee you will have found it very, very difficult. And I could say aidus to this fact because it's been 40 years that I've been learning Musr on a daily basis, a half hour, often more than that, I say schmooze them on a regular basis. I was a Rebbe for 15 years, and I can tell you many, many areas I spent a tremendous amount of time working on, and it barely scratched the surface. And at a certain point, you got to say, I don't get it. If we were put into this world to change, to grow, to become different, if we were put here to perfect ourselves, why is it almost impossible to do? And when you begin studying this dichotomy, the beauty in the world and the ugliness, and the pain and suffering and the pleasures, and you recognize that all of it was created for man, and we were put here for the purpose of growing and accomplishing, and you recognize that it's so difficult to actually grow, one of the questions I believe you should ask is, couldn't Hashem have done a better job at creating the world? And I'd like to share with you that question is not irreverent. That question is not inappropriate because I know factually that Hashem could have created a better world because Ka'chava, Hashem did create a much, much better world. You see, the world we live in now is vastly different than the world was when Adam Arishon opened his eyes. At the very first moment of Adam's life, He opened his eyes, and he saw a world replete with wonder. He saw a complete world, a beautiful world, animals and trees and oceans and rivers, and he was a complete human being with a fully loaded Wikipedia in his brain, wiser than the malachim. Hashem says, if you want to see wisdom, look at man, and it's hard to understand this exactly, but... The Medrash tells us, if you'd like to understand the greatness of Adam, the Malachim, Bikshu, Lomashira, apparently they, on some level they mistook him for Hashem. He was so great, so powerful, so brilliant, that for a moment there they thought it was Hashem. They were going to sing Shira, they were going to sing praise. Adam Harishan was vastly, vastly different than you and I, and he lived in a very, very different world. Not only did he understand the purpose of creation with absolute clarity, not only did he see Hashem right there, but the essence of he was malleable. He was pliable. He could change the essence of him at will. A muscle, if I decide I want to diet, I want to lose weight. It's a very bitter battle. I have to watch my calories, I have to guard myself, because no matter how you slice it, I like chocolate. I desire chocolate; it tastes good. A Mauritian had the capacity to change at will the essence of him. <clears throat> if he decided that two thousand calories is the appropriate amount, no longer does would his nefesh b'ahmi, with the animal soul, desire more than that. I no longer think it's appropriate for me to eat oily foods. He could change the essence of him so that he no longer desired that. Now that is only a muscle because the real greatness of Adam was that he could change the essence of him in regards to all of his traits. If he felt there was a tad too much arrogance, at will, he becomes more humble. A little bit of laziness undoes it, because his mind was brilliant, and the sway that his body held over him was nil. You see, when Adam was created, it was a brilliant man put into the skin of a bear but that's all it was a brilliant man in a shama that was pure and holy put into the skin of a human being but wearing this bear suit wearing a costume but the body had very very little effect on him and in that state Adam was supposed to grow and accomplish and for eternity live in Ganadin. when Adam sinned He didn't just change himself, he changed the very fabric of creation. When Hashem created Adam, Hashem said to Adam, This is your world, and do with it as you see fit. If you use it appropriately, it will flourish, it will be a wonderful world. If you misuse it, it will be destroyed. When Adam sinned, what he did was, he was the world. He changed the very essence of the world. And when Adam did that, he changed the essence of him and he made a very, very different world to the extent that Hashem said, now no longer can man reach perfection. Adam was decreed death, but it wasn't as a punishment. It wasn't like you deserve to die. He lived for 970 years, 930 years from that point onwards. Rather, the Derach Hashem explains that Hashem had to put death into the world, because death was not part of the original plan. Adam was put into Gan Eden to live in that state forever, but when he ate from the Eitz Sadas, he changed the essence of himself, changed the essence of the world, and now man could not perfect himself. You see, what Adam did was, by ingesting of that apple, that fruit, whatever it may be, he made himself into a vastly different person. No longer was he a brilliant human being occupying the skin of a bear. He now was the bear. He now put himself into the bear and he now was vastly different. If you'd like to understand the difference between Oda and us, that's exactly the difference. If I put on a costume, I'm the same person in the costume. The costume doesn't pull me. If you'd like to understand us, I have a mushal I said a few weeks ago, and it bears repeating. There's a very clear mushal. Imagine Moishi, the 18-year-old, first-year Beit Medrash, yeshiva student, and he decides this is his first Purim in Beit He's going to get drunk, but good and drunk. And that's what he does, Purim night. He drinks, and you see him a few hours later in the street, Playing with traffic, hey, Mushi. What are you doing? I'm playing in traffic. Hey, Mushi, you're gonna get by a car. I know. Crack, smack my back. Mushi, you're gonna get by a car. I'll send you to the halfway. I know. Crack, smack my back. they put pins in my in my spine. I'll go through the metal detector. Ding, ding, smushy. Now stop. You're having a conversation. He's clearly somewhat aware. He's discussing consequences. So what is going on? The answer is Mushi's drunk. And drunk means your normal intelligence is blinded. And your normal acute sense of understanding is now dimmed. And you no longer see things clearly. And you no longer see the consequences. And you are going to make very, very poor decisions in that state, as in playing in traffic, because you're drunk. Before the sin of Odomarishan, there was no such thing as confusion. There was no such thing as... I want to do something, but I don't want. I do, and I don't. I don't, and I do. I don't want to look, but I do want to look. I don't want to do this, but I do want to do this. And there was no com- utter confusion within the human being. <clears throat> Adam saw Hashem. Adam recognized the value of actions. And when he made a decision, that decision was made, and he stuck to it. But when he ate from the Eitz Das, he changed the very world we live in. <clears throat> and what happened now is there's an utter confusion because now he became part of the bear, the bear part of him. And when I speak to you, there are two parts to me, a brilliant neshama and a nefesh Bahami, an animal soul mixed together. But these two parts vying for primacy and constantly competing one against the other. And there are two voices within me, each one desiring its wishes, and each one pulling its way. And Hashem said to Adam, at this point, death has to be, in the world. Why? Because you cannot perfect yourself. When I put you in the world, is for you to grow and change the essence of you. But in the state that you are now, it is impossible for you to perfect yourself. Therefore, Hashem decreed death, Misa. Why? Because now there had to be a whole new process involved. <clears throat> Adam had to die. His neshama had to go to Olam and a holding pen. And then a third state, Tchiyas Mesim and the Derech Hashem explains that that's the world we live in. And right now we live in the world where we're challenged, where we're growing, where I call this the gym. When I'm done my job here, my body's put in the ground, and I, the essence of me, the one who's speaking to you, I go to Olam Neshamas, And the Olam Neshamas is a sort of a holding pen. All the Neshamas gather there, that's where they stay for a while, whatever that time is. And then there's a third stage, Trias revival of the dead, the body and the neshama put back together, but put back not like you and I are now, put back like Adam arisham before the sin. And in that state, able to again change, able to again grow, able to reach perfection for which Hashem put us in the world. And that change happened after Adam arisham And if you ever notice that there's such contradictions in this world, it is because it is a very contradictory world. If you ever notice beautiful sights and terrible pain, it's because the world has been changed radically from what it was. And if you ever notice that there are tremendous confusions within you, one moment you could be noble and generous, the next moment selfish and bratty, and you're the same person, the same human being, it's because you and I are in the state of utter confusion. But there's one more step we need to understand. When Hashem said to Adam Rishon, here are the keys to my seborrachos. This is your world. Pay attention that you don't destroy my world. Der Hashem explains to us, Hashem was saying, this world is dependent on you. Not that you're going to take an axe and cut down the trees. Not that you're going to be ecologically irresponsible and you're going to use plastic bags and straws. Every physical entity in this world has a spiritual dimension underpinning it. Every physical entity has a spiritual element that keeps it in existence and that keeps the physical part where it is. The small part, the physical entity, has a much larger spiritual component. And what Hashem was saying to the Marishan is, the entire spiritual underpinnings of the world are dependent on you. If you grow, if you accomplish, if you use this world as you're supposed to, You will give tremendous nourishment, tremendous strength to the underpinnings of the world. If you don't, you're going to destroy the world. And if you'd like to understand that, if that concept sounds a little bit far and and a little difficult to understand, I'll share with you a very simple perspective that will make it much clearer. August 6, 1945, the world changed. That's the day when Hiroshima, Japan a modern city was obliterated. That was the day the United States dropped the atomic bomb, Little Boy, on the city at eight sixteen a.m. And in an instant, one hundred and forty thousand people were dead. Hundred thousand more were seriously injured. Windows were shattered for ten miles around. An entire city was obliterated off of the map. You could see this huge mushroom cloud rise up above this city. And the city was no longer there. You could feel the blast 37 miles away. The human race entered a new era. Atomic weaponry, atomic power was released. And mankind was in for a great, great awakening. You see, TNT is powerful. You can use TNT to blow up a bridge. You could use TNT to blow up a building. But an atomic weapon is not a couple of sticks of dynamite, the power of that first atomic weapon was 20,000 tons of TNT. If you took truckloads and truckloads and truckloads and truckloads, it would take 20,000 tons of TNT to equal that one explosion. And mankind discovered a whole new dimension of power, a whole new dimension of energy the substructure, the atomic bonds, and when they were released, the force was incredible. It happens to be that when you measure yield today, the explosive power of atomic weapons, it's no longer measured in thousands of tons. Nuclear weapons are now measured in what's known as megatons, millions of tons of TNT, meaning the current crop of nuclear weapons are infinitely well, not infinitely, but exponentially more powerful and more potent than was that first bomb. We're talking to the tune of multiple exponentially more powerful. Here's the point. If you take a piece of chalk, it's inert. But scientists tell us that if you're able to release all of the atomic energy in that one piece of chalk, you could heat up the Pacific Ocean. And while it may sound like a fable, and it may sound like a fairy tale, when you see a city obliterated, wiped out, you recognize that we're dealing with a whole new magnitude, a whole new order, and a whole new level of power. And I believe that's what Hashem was saying to Other Marishon. You're given the keys to my subrecious. not the physical world, and the spiritual world, which is the underpinning, which keeps the physical world in existence. If you use the world properly, it'll grow, it'll flourish. You'll give energy to the entire physical world. If you misuse the world, you will destroy it. And when Adam Arishon sinned, what he did was he changed the entire world, himself, the world, and the world we live in is vastly different. And that's why Hashem had to decree death. And now we have three stages. There's this world, when we're done, and then afterwards, and then afterwards, Revival of the dead. But you see, that's one step that most of us don't think about. And that is, while it's very, very confusing in this world we live in, and it's very, very dark, and it's very difficult to serve Hashem, and surely difficult to change, there's one advantage. And that is when you do something, when you actually do change, and you're creating tremendous ripple effects in the upper world, Every physical part of this world has that spiritual dimension, and I may not be Odomarishon, and when I learn, when I daven, when I do chesed, I'm empowering the spiritual dimension of the world, and I'm giving it tremendous force. And while I may not recognize it because I live in a very physical world, and what Odomarishon did was destroy the world, because that was the power he was given, but each of us are given that type of power. And if you'd like to know the beauty of living in our current times, it's that very small actions and very small little changes could have tremendous effects because it's so difficult, because it's so hard to see Hashem. When I actually daven, when I cut through the static and I recognize that my Creator is right here, it's a tremendous accomplishment. When I learn, when I daven, when, when I do something right and I get it right, it's tremendous because it's so dark, because it's so difficult, and because the world we live in is vastly different. And if you'd like to understand Nebuchadnezzar, I believe that's exactly the answer. And says Hashem, look at the reward for a wicked man who ran four steps in my honor. At that moment, apparently, Nebuchadnezzar got it. It's not right. You can't call the great God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, third after a physical king and after a city. You have to say, first, peace be to you, Hashem. He stood up for the honor of Hashem. And in that moment, he acquired tremendous reward. Because he changed the spiritual dimension of this world? Because he was a Russia, Hashem didn't want him in the world to come. And the ultimate punishment is when you're paid your world to come in this world, clean the slate, and when we're done here, no more him, finished. But all of the reward for that action was given to him, and because of that, he acceded, reached that level of being king of Babel, got that honor of being the one to surround Yishalayim, and destroy the base of Mikdash, because he took four steps running in the honor of Hashem. And if you'd like to see the power, the magnitude of one man's action, and again, he was not a tzaddik, he's not one of the greats in civilization, but nevertheless, at that moment he got it, at that moment he cut through the haze of physicality, he cut through the darkness and recognized the greatness of Hashem, and said, you cannot do that. And he stood up for the honor of Hashem, and because of that action, He merited being king of the earth because that's the vastness of the reward. And says Hashem, if that's the reward that's given to wicked people in this world where the currency is so fleeting and so passing, can you envision, can you imagine the reward waiting for tzaddikim, for people who use the world properly, people who keep the Torah, for people who serve Hashem properly? Now, this is an important introduction to a very, very significant observation. Did you notice that the Derech Hashem explained to us that there were three stages in creation? After Adam sinned, there's this world, which is the gym, I'm <clears throat> pretty to grow, to change, we're challenged. When I'm done my job here, my body's put in the ground. I, Neshama, <clears throat> go to the Olam and Shamas, The world, it's almost like a holding pen, <clears throat> when Neshama waits for a certain while, Neshama is able to grow there because anything that you were held back from here, anything that you did here but couldn't change, those changes happen there. And when you're in this world, when you're doing the things that should change you, and you can't because your body holds you back, you create a sort of shadow man. You create a sort of shadow of growth. And when you go into the olam and whoosh, you fill in that shadow man. And that's a wonderful time, and it's extremely enjoyable to neshama. But then, Tiyas Amesim, revival of the dead, and the neshamah is put back with the body, and in this world, similar to Adam or before the sin, very different than us now. <clears throat> we live forever, enjoying proximity to Hashem, enjoying dvekas. But again, three stages: this world, Olam Neshamos, <clears throat> and then Tiyas Amesim. Did you notice? There's no mention of Mashiach. No mention of Mashiach there. This world. <clears throat> Where does Mashiach fit into this picture? Explains the Rambam, and the Derech Hashem explains it at length. <clears throat> Mashiach is in this world. When Mashiach comes, there will be basically no physical changes. <clears throat> the world will continue as it is now. You'll still go to work. You'll still take a seed, put it in the ground, and up will come corn. The world will function in the same manner that it functions now. There's only one key distinction. Malaya are its deya as Hashem. The entire world will see Hashem palpably, with total clarity. Hashem will reveal Himself, and with total clarity, every human being will see Hashem. As I know this table is here, it's solid, it's real. I will see Hashem, experience Hashem, And when Hashem reveals Himself to that level, every neshama, every person alive reaches Ruach HaKodesh, tremendous understanding and tremendous recognitions of truth. And while physically very little changes, that change changes everything. If I know that Hashem is present right here, but right here, fears, anxiety, and nervousness don't exist. Competition, I don't even know what that means. First of all, Hashem gives out to everyone exactly what they're supposed to get, and I see that. I know that. I recognize that. But more than that, I can't possibly have what belongs to you. Stealing is absurd. First of all, Hashem's watching. But more than that, I know that Hashem runs the world. I get it. I'm going to steal from you. I'll put it in this pocket or go out that pocket. There's no way I can defeat the creator of the heavens and earth. He runs the world. But I'll see that every Jew, every Gentile, will see Hashem involved day in, day out, totally there. But not in some sort of confused, I don't know, I'm not sure, Hashem, do I see right here. As gravity is real, as heat rises, as gases expand, we will all get it. And that changes everything. Because in that moment, again, even though physically we still Pretty much we stay the same. Granted, the Jewish people go to Israel. <clears throat> Granted, there's a rebuilding the base of Middash, But olam kimin hago noheg, the world basically runs as it is. The one key distinction is that this brilliant light. We're living in total darkness now, and it's like the sun rises, and the sun hits midday, noon right above our head, and it's brilliantly clear, and everyone gets it. And that little change makes all the difference in the world. Because every human being understands that every mitzvah that Hashem commands the Jewish people and the Gentile people is for our benefit. And every avera, every sin damages me. I do not drink bleach. You could offer me $100 and you could offer me $1,000. I will not drink a cup of bleach. Why? Because it's absurd. It's self-inflicted harm. I would never do it. The reason why I speak and horror I'm embarrassed to say, the reason why I do many things I'm not supposed to do is because I don't get it. I don't see it. Bleach is really damaging. Putting my hand in a fire is extraordinarily stupid. I get it. But sins, the world to come, I'm damaging my neshama. I don't know what that means. I don't feel it. When <clears throat> Mashiach comes, we get it with absolute clarity. I see Hashem. And Hashem is so close that my Neshama lights up and I understand things that I don't understand now, but with absolute acuity, with absolute understanding. And that one change changes everything. If you look at the world we live in today, all of us fight many, many battles every day. For some, it's temptation, desire. For others, it's jealousy. Some people are constantly dealing with a sense of inferiority. For some people, it might be depression, others anxiety. All of us have some level of inner conflicts, utter peace. Because every human being sees Hashem, every human being knows why we're here, and every human being knows intuitively and instinctively just what to do. As I don't drink bleach now, I won't be involved then in any self-destructive behaviors. All of the habits, all of the thoughts, all of those damaging things that we do to ourselves are only because of the darkness. But it really cuts much further. The Sula explains that any calamity, any catastrophe, hurricanes, typhoons, buildings, collapses, <clears throat> earthquakes, they're all for one reason, to punish sin. There'll be no sin. And because there'll be no sin, every human being will enjoy robust health, no pain, no sorrow, no tortures, No terrorism, none of all of the things, the headlines of the New York Times will be very, very boring. Very, very boring. Believe me, social media will change dramatically and radically. And every one of those accounts, they'll run in in embarrassment, trying to delete and delete and delete. But there will be utter peace, health and well-being, no fear and no anxieties, an absolute, completely beautiful world. And a world that Hashem runs as Hashem ran it originally, wanted it to be. I had a Talmud, as a high school Rebbe, I had a Talmud once, he asked me the following question. He said, Rebbe, is it true that Gan Eden is like when the Sadiqim sit around all day and learn? I said to him something like, well, that might be one way to sort of uh, picture it. He said to me, Rebbe, that's not... That's not Gennadyen, that's Gehenna. Now that is a 15-year-old's perspective. To learn all day is not very pleasurable. <clears throat> Do you know what the difference between me now and me then is? With absolute clarity of thought, I get it. Everything that intellectually I know now, but I just don't feel, I feel it then with absolute understanding. Every word of Torah changes the essence of me. <clears throat> more precious than gold. I'm more precious than diamonds, but I get it. Not just words, not lip service. I really intuitively, instinctively get it 100%. And there will be no conflicts between what I know and what I feel. All of those things that we work on, whether it be anger or jealousy, I shouldn't be angry. I really shouldn't be. I know I shouldn't be, but I am. I, mean, I shouldn't, but I am. I shouldn't be jealous. I know I shouldn't, but I am. I shouldn't have desire. I shouldn't have temptation. I should be happy, but I, but I have it. None of that stuff is there. Because every human being gets it. Every human being understands it. Right now, there's like Novocaine to my heart. You know, you go to the dentist and it gives you Novocaine and you you can be drooling. You won't even feel your lips. You just, you don't know it. There's Novocaine in my heart. I can't experience Hashem. I can't feel another Jew's pain. I can't express, because I don't, my heart is dead. The Leva Evan, the stone heart is removed. And every human being is given a real heart, a heart that feels, a heart that senses the Novocaine is removed, and in that moment, life is different. And if you like to understand what life is at that moment, extraordinary joy. Do you know what it's like to wake up in the morning and go, 24 hours, let's go! And there's a love of life, an exuberance, the colors are dramatic, the sights are gorgeous, I bite into an apple, I make that bracha. I bite into an apple, and I enjoy it with an intensity, with the intensity that Hashem intended for a human being to enjoy. But not just the first bite, the second bite, the third bite, the fourth bite. And when I look at a scene, when I look at a landscape, when I look at a mountain range, it's astonishing, it's moving, and it constantly pulls me, because that's the human being in a state of perfection. Hashem invested tremendous wisdom and forethought and making a world replete with beauty. We can't enjoy it now because I have a Novocaine heart. I have a deadened heart. Sometimes I a little bit I understand it. Sometimes I appreciate it. A minute later I'm distracted and I'm gone. But with utter peace, with utter clarity of mind, I enjoy this world. I know why I'm here. I enjoy Hashem's closeness. And when the Jewish nation gets to enter the base of Mikdash, the proximity to Hashem and being so close to Hashem in that holy place is the most jubilant, most enjoyable, most joy-filled moment. There is no words for us to describe it. And if you'd like to know why we want Mashiach, why do we want Mashiach? Hashem created the world. There's a world that I'm growing and I'm learning. It's for that reason, because this world we're living in is broken. The world we're living in doesn't function. It doesn't work. And it's not just because there's terrorism and there's threats and there's COVID. and It's it's broken. Adam changed the world. Hashem wanted that to be. And because right now we're we're in this world, we're given such tremendous opportunity. Because in a moment of darkness, I can cut through it and recognize Hashem. That opportunity won't be there when Mashiach comes. But nevertheless, it's not so pleasant often living in the world we're living in. Life is beautiful, you're supposed to be happy, but every once in a while, especially as we get close to Tisha B'av, it's important to recognize that this world that we live in is not the world that Hashem intended it to be. And one of the feelings that a Jew should have over and over is, what an affront to the honor of Hashem. Hashem created such a world, a hundred billion galaxies, each containing a hundred billion stars, with such brilliance and such incredible harmony, such incredible power and expansive size and everything integrated. And people say, "Eh, lucky roll of the cosmic dice, just happened. Big bang, boom, 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 big, 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 big big bang. And it just happened. And they say those words. And, And as a Jew, you should feel the hair on the back of your head just rise up in anger. Because how could you say that? You look at the world, you look at this astonishing, complex world. As a high school rabbi, I used to take my guys to the Science Museum in Rochester. And I would tell them, prepare, we are going to the Temple of God. We're going to see but a sliver, a small, tiny sliver of the wisdom of our Creator. And you see exhibits that show you what a cell is. You see an exhibit that demonstrates on some level what an atom is, what a quark is and you see the complexity, and you're astonished by the beauty. And every human being should say, Hashem, you are great, and your works are magnificent. We should all sing the words of the halukas in the morning with tremendous joy and happiness. And more than that, it should bother us that they don't sing those words, and that we don't do it either. And the reason is because right now the world is broke. It's not functioning as it was created to function. And it really is flawed. Again, Hashem wanted this to be, and it was all part of the master plan, but nevertheless, the world we're living in doesn't really work. And the reason it doesn't work is because until Mashiach comes, that is the state of our existence. And if you're worried about reading the headlines and the various threats and the various situations, and whether it be new health threats, and new strains of Delta COVID variants, or whether it be new terrorists, new Islamic threats, it would be just going through the gamut of everything that seems to constantly pop up. You're supposed to say the words, the world is not functioning as it's supposed to function. I think this Chazal shares with us a tremendous insight. When Hashem was saying, do you want to know why wicked people succeed? you know why sometimes they have great success in this world? Because they're being, being paid back for whatever they've done in the currency of this world. Because then we get rid of them. And if you'd like to see the reward for one small action, Nebuchadnezzar ran four steps in the honor of Hashem. And Hashem says the reward that's appropriate for you is to be a king, effectively, of the earth. Because that much honor and that much power is deserving to you for that act. And again, as the Gemara explains to us, could you imagine how much more so for us, if we follow the Torah, if we learn, if we daven, if we act as we're supposed to, the reward is incalculable beyond our understanding. And again, <clears throat> Adam Rishon changed the very world that we live in. If you wonder why it's hard to change, why it's hard to daven, and why it's hard to become a different person, it's because the world we live in is vastly different Adam, before the sin, was able to change himself easily, malleable. He could just change the essence of him. No longer can we do that. Adam Rishon saw Hashem with clarity and understanding. For us, it's very hazy and very foggy. When Adam sinned, the underpinning of the world, the spiritual dimension of the world was destroyed. And when it was, the world itself changed. And Hashem said, now I have to run the world differently. Now there has to be death. You can't in your current state perfect yourself. The world really is broken. You really cannot reach perfection. It has to be death. Then Olam and Hashem will sit in that holding pen for a certain amount of time, whatever the time is. And then there'll be triasam Whatever level you reach will be the level you're on. And from that point onwards, you'll be able to grow and change in a body similar to Adem HaRisham before the sin, but in this world, and much like us now, but very, very different and forever you'll be able to enjoy the reward of your accomplishments. But those three stages are all within the current framework. They don't involve Mashiach. Mashiach is the last stage of the world where Hashem allows a malchus based David, someone from the king of David, to come into the world. Hashem reveals himself, and in that moment, every human being gets it with total clarity of thought. That's the last part of perfecting this world, And in that stage, everyone sees Hashem, everyone recognizes Hashem. There's joy, there's jubilation, there's peace, there's utter harmony. Everyone, everyone gets it. There will be no locks on doors. There'll be no passwords to your computer. No one would steal, no one would cheat, because it's absurd. Much like I don't put my hand in a fire, I don't drink bleach. I wouldn't do something like that. Because yes, I might make money on it, but (laughs) it's stupid. It's the height of folly. Besides, Hashem watches. Hashem is here. And Hashem would never let to succeed anyway. But that's not just words. Every person gets it. No pain, no sorrow, no hardships, no illness, no calamities, no catastrophes, utter peace. And the human race exists then for whatever length of time. If you'd like to understand why we want Mashiach, it's because right now we can't do what we're supposed to. And we can't do what we're supposed to be doing and the world itself doesn't function. And I'd like to close with one last thought. Gamoram Brachas tells us three times a day, three times a day Hashem cries out, woe to the father and woe to the sons. Look what I've done. I've taken my holy people, my beloved people, and I've scattered them and I have sent them into exile. But three times a day when the Jewish nation comes into the Beis Medrash and they say the word, Yahesh may Rabbah, may the great name of Hashem be blessed. Hashem says, blessed be the children and blessed be the king who they so praise in the king's home. You see, the Mikdash Ma'at, the shuls that we have are a mini Beis Medrash, a mini Beis, <clears throat> Beis a Mikdash and when a Jew cries out, when he gets it, when he recognizes that Hashem is the creator, Hashem is the maintainer, Hashem is the one who keeps everything in existence, that recognition has a tremendous impact in the world. And Hashem says, praise be the king who they honor him so. Because that single cognition, that single recognition that Hashem is present, Hashem runs the world. Hashem keeps everything in existence is one of the greatest growth activities a human being can ever be involved in. It changes the upper world and changes me. It's hard to feel, it's hard to get, but when you get it, it changes the essence of you, and it's something that when Mashiach comes, you won't get much reward for, because then it's obvious. It's here where it's so difficult. It's now when it's so dark, and it's true that Mashiach times will be far more peaceful and far more enjoyable, but there is one advantage living in our times, explains the Chavetz Chaim, it's only in the darkness, and that when you take even a tiny little step, it's magnified, it's tremendously more potent, because it's so dark and so difficult. And while we in for Mashiach, we wait for Mashiach, because the world is broken and it's not functioning, it's also important to recognize the value of these last days. Before Mashiach comes these moments when it's so difficult, so dark, every action that I do, everything that I do right, is multiplied exponentially, and if Nevuchanetzer can run four steps and get that kind of reward of being king of the earth, could you imagine what it means if one time I recognize Hashem is the creator, and in Shul I say to word Jehosh, hey, may Rabbah, may Hashem's name be blessed. If I make one bracha with kavanah, if I really say, Baruch ata Hashem, blessed be you God, here, Elokeinu, our God, Melech Olam, king of the universe, that action, that moment is phenomenal. The reward for it is for eternity. And when Mashiach times are far, far more peaceful, more enjoyable, and that moment of accomplishment is only something we can do now. So it's important to wait, and it's also important to cherish the moments we have here. And now I'd like to open the floor to questions. I apologize. I went much longer. I I seem to keep doing this. I'm supposed to speak for a certain amount of time, 40 minutes, 35 minutes, and then open the floor to questions, and I seem to get carried away. But in any case, this particular topic is um, is very important to get carried away with. But I would like to open the floor to questions. If you have questions on – let's start with this topic if you, or any other topic. But let's start with this topic. If you have questions about tonight's topic or if you have questions in general, please feel free to raise your hand. If you're shy, which apparently a lot of people are, you can type your question into the Q&A. I do look at the Q&A, but I much prefer if you actually raise your hand. The reason I prefer it is it's more engaging, and it also gives me a chance to take a break, take a drink, and I don't have to keep shouting. So if you want to save a voice, you can raise your hand ask a question. Um, if not, I'll take the uh, questions from the, uh, um, from the people who have typed in. There are a number of Okay, um, when I speak to people about Mashiach, the biggest comment, question is, <clears throat> he hasn't come in the last 2,000 years. <clears throat> is he really coming, or what can I do more? How can I respond? Okay, so <clears throat> the Gemara gives us a very, very important example. If you have a giant, a giant of a man, he might be 10 feet tall, but he's only 10 feet tall. If you put but a midget on the shoulders of that giant, now suddenly it's a far taller image in front of you. It's true that Mashiach hasn't come, and there have been many, many great, great generations before us, and we don't claim to be better than them, but it's cumulative, it's building, it's building, and it can only be so long. First of all, the world only, is only created for 6,000 years in its current state, so it has to be shortly. There's not that much time left, but more than that, you look at all the current events, and when I say current events, I mean the fact that we, the Jewish nation, have survived for 1,900 years in exile, almost 2,000 years sent from continent to continent, persecuted, oppressed, murdered, and was still alive. Of all the great empires, the only one that still exists is the Jewish people. And we're still keeping the very same Torah and very same mitzvahs, very same exactitude in that, as Abayi and Rova, as Bishama and Baisil, as Rashi and Tosus, and we're back in our land, a land that was a barren, hostile desert. And it was a there was nothing there, and it's been rebuilt now to be a phenomenal superpower of the region. And against all odds, and against the world, against hundred million Arabs fighting against us. And that tiny little sliver of a country has become the mighty, mighty, powerful Goliath against the David, the Arabs. I was a kid growing up. <clears throat> Israel was this tiny state. Not only was it a tiny state, <clears throat> everyone knew. Everyone knew that it was just a matter of time, one war, and who knows what would be. My father told me he was born in Germany in '38. He says when they declared the state of Israel in 1948, he and everyone else understood it was just a matter of time. It was just a matter of time because it was to be another extermination. There were 650,000 Jews living in what was known as Palestine at the time, surrounded by 50 million Arabs, and Arabs that had nations with armies, with navies, with air forces, And Israel had nothing because the British rule made it forbidden for a Jew to own a gun, let alone have a real armed forces, have any real sort of army, navy, or air force. And not only did this tiny little sliver of a country, 650,000 many survivors of Holocaust can exist. They became stronger and stronger, built up a land. 67 was a miracle of incredible proportions. 73 no less, but even now, look at this nation, look at this people, back in our land, built up, and for some odd reason, again, the absolute center of attention, the absolute center of world media, the absolute center of everybody's discussion, this tiny little country. And when you begin to add up all the oddities of the current time, And when you look at a world that's teeming on the edge of insanity, Western civilization is close, close to the cracking point. I am not a fear monger and I am not a radical in any sense. But when you hear the radical positions of much of the media and much of what's known as American society, you realize they've lost their sanity. We're not talking about immorality we're talking about insanity, spell the alphabet, however you spell the LG, whatever those letters are, you understand that we're dealing with not with deviance, we're not dealing with stom and amora, we're dealing with psychiatric problems which are extolled as not just a civil right, but as something to march under as a banner of pride. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not even discussing deviance or mishka zacher, homosexuality. I'm not discussing that. We'll call that normal desire. Not quite normal, but something that the Torah recognizes as something that's possible. We're not even discussing alternate lifestyles. We're talking about people who are so out of their, excuse my expression, just so outrageously not healthy. And they're put up. And it's, by the way, Read a book. If you're not sure that I'm right, that the world is losing its sense of balance, <clears throat> Irreversible Damage, a book written by a woman, Shrier, <clears throat> about the educational system in America now teaching <clears throat> the young kids in public school about, I don't want to say the nivel pair, but every transgender and queer and <clears throat> LG, I can't spell all the letters of the alphabet there, but, every, but it's being educated, taught to children as not just an alternative, something to explore, something that's regular, something that's... When you take a psychiatric condition and you make it something that you want other people to engage in and you encourage it, you're dealing with something very, very unusual, something very, very strange. So put the pieces together. This nation survives 1,900 years of extraordinary exile and is still alive, still keeping the very same Torah, keeping their ways. They enter that country and build it up, build it up to the extent that it's the powerhouse of the region. And the influx of the Jews there and the insanity of the Western civilization at this moment, it doesn't seem that Mashiach is very far, it seems that Mashiach is very imminent. And if we've ever seen it closer and closer, it sure does look like it now. So if your friends say to you, he hasn't been here 2,000 years, I have to say one thing, it sure does look, like it's right there at the cusp. All right. Um, any other questions? Um, what steps are good to take now? Growing, accomplishing, learning, dominating, and to heal him, Grow. That's, these moments are incredible. And because, it, because it's so dark, because it's so difficult, the reward is incalculable. Again, Mashiach times will be much sweeter, much better, much more peaceful and harmonious. But far less reward, because if I see Hashem, of course I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. <clears throat> but there's no reward. Now when it's so difficult, when it's so dark, if I actually cut through the haze, <clears throat> if netzer can gain world dominion, because he took four steps in the honor of Hashem, could you imagine what I can do when I stand up for the honor of Hashem? <clears throat> when I dominate like I'm supposed to, when I learn as I'm supposed to, when I do chesed as I'm supposed to? Okay, here's a, a question that's, that's valid, and there seems to be so much to do. What steps can we take, and which areas do we try to improve in? So the question really is incredibly personal, meaning each human being has their things. We all have tariag mitzvahs, and we all have to grow, we all have to learn, we all have to daven, we all have to do chesed, and we all have to follow the 613 mitzvahs, but each person has their own particular area that they need to work on, and generally, you know what it is. It's the area of weakness. For one person, it's anger. For one person, jealousy. For one person, temptation. For one person, desire. Each of us have our own little package, our own little peckle. And that's what you're supposed to be working on. How do you work on it? You learn Musa Sorim. don't work. You listen to Shi'urim. Go to com. You'll find series on all, I'd say all the medias, but you'll find anger management. You'll find on temptation, the fight. You'll find on appreciating happiness. You'll find, I mean a slew there are 280 odd shmuzim but there are many series series that deal with the moon and bitachon and series that deal with dominating series that deal with uh, i don't even I, don't, I mean i said them so i should know but i many many different topics pick one pick your area pick your go the shmuz.com t-h-e-s-h-m-u-z.com you could download it you could also podcast it there's a shmuz app there's no excuse we even have a call a number there are no excuses if, if after a while the shmooze bores you, go to Torah anytime. They have hundreds of brilliant speakers, Chachamim, popular speakers, not so popular. You can, I guarantee, you can find someone to inspire you, to motivate you. There's plenty of work to do, yeah. But there's a lot of, a lot of opportunity. And Baruch Hashem, we have uh, time and we have resources. Um, okay, the truth is, I've overstayed my welcome. I think. Um, you do have another question? Please feel free to type it in. Um, but okay, so so it's because the world is on the brink of insanity. That Mashiach is coming? Question mark. Does that mean that if we were to some, somehow fix society, although it seems impossible, that Mashiach's arrival will be delayed? Okay, so it is not because society is on the brink of insanity that Mashiach is coming. That's but one of the signs of Mashiach coming. And the reason why Mashiach is coming is because it's imminent, it's the time, because the Jewish nation have done hopefully enough, we've done our part, we've been in this long, bitter exile long enough. One of the signs of Mashiach is when things teem on the edge of absolute insanity. Again, not desire, not immorality, not the 60s, do your own thing. We're, not talk- we're talking those days were kindergarten. Those were happy days. Those days are no longer what we're talking about. We're talking about deviance and destruction and just the absolute destruction of society. I don't have any other terms to use. So what that indicates is and that's but one of the simonimum. Our job is not to fix that, by the way. <clears throat> Our job is to learn, to dominate, to do what we're supposed to, and that has effect on the upper world and hopefully on this world. But believe me, a we're not fixing this ills of society, and b it's not the reason why Mashiach is coming. It's but a sign. Our job is to learn, to grow, to accomplish, do what we're supposed to. And Rita Hashem, Hashem will redeem us shortly, and this will be the last time. There are not much time left, but hopefully, this will be the last dish above. And maybe before, I don't know. It's kind of late in the game now. We might have to be on the floor. Okay. <clears throat> Okay, hello, Rabbi, I'm on Shmooze 105. On one of them, you stated that Hashem created this world only for us human beings. All these galaxies are two-legged creatures, question mark. Grace at Tzaddik. Shalom Aleichem. How are you? Edward, I apologize for not calling you. I saw your hand up. I apologize, but okay. All of these galaxies for two-legged creatures, asks Edward. Okay, Edward, let me explain something to you. We human beings do not understand very much at all. And when a human being sees the vastness and the complexity of this world and says, gee golly, why do we need all that for two-legged creatures? That's but one of legions of questions that the human being could and should ask. I don't understand cellular structure, I don't understand electromagnetism. I don't understand why certain metals do conduct electricity. Certain metals don't conduct. Why is it? Why is it? Why do those properties? I don't know why. Why is it that heat rises? Gee golly, why? Why? Why is it that like, gas is expanding? I don't know. There are many, many things in this world that I don't know. Many things about the physical world. And I'll let you know a secret. Even more about the spiritual world. I, I open a tosis and I don't understand. I open a ptosis, and I, But all of a sudden, when a human being has one question, oh, I have a kasha, and this question is a, a question that changes. Uh, I, I, I can't uh, I, I can't deal with this. Why? Derek Hashem happens to explain why. If you want to know the why, the Derach Hashem at length explains why there are stars, and why there are so many stars, and why two-legged creatures, for just these two-legged creatures, Hashem had to create the entire world. Because there's so much that we don't understand about the future, about the past, about man's involvement in the world, and much of it is an interplay with this world, much much above our pay scale. If you want, one day maybe we'll learn the Derech Hashem together. I hope, I hope next year Elul. I'd like to give a, I'd like to give a share Maybe we'll we'll do that. Learn the Derech Hashem because it's, if you want to understand the world, but not through foggy glasses. You want to understand the real world, the real underpinnings. And you open the Derech Hashem. That's the Misil Sharm. The Rav Moshe Chaim Lutzato, He writes. It, every time I open that book, my eyes are like, wow, now I get it. Now I understand. And he reveals to us exactly. So and bottom line is there are many things we don't understand. That one the dar HaShem explains at length, maybe one day we'll learn it. But uh, I don't know if I answered your question, Edward, but it's good to hear from you anyway. All right, I want to thank you all for coming. Yitzh Sunday, if you join us, uh, Tisha B'Av, please join Torah anytime. They have a full-day program. Go to turning t- time. I'll be speaking Mitzvah Shem right after Chatzos. I think Chatzos is just around 1 o'clock. So on the Shmooz, uh website, you could find the, uh, you should be able to see the The banner. You can, again, Teren time is programming a night, day, all day, like a marathon, and speaker after speaker after speaker. Again, if you want to tune into the shmooze, I'll be speaking Mitzvah Shem at 1 o'clock. I think it's around 1. It's Chatzos. That's when I usually speak. Um, and, uh So you can certainly join. Also, again, for the next two weeks, there will be no Shmooze Live. I apologize but taking a little break. And uh, hopefully we'll rejoin energized and ready and refreshed. Uh, I thank you for joining. I wish you a, hopefully, the last fast, the meaningful fast, and may we see the building of the of Migdish find the redemption of the Jewish people. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.